Hey there, and um, good evening. Oh, let me try that again. Hey there, and good evening, and uh, good morning, and good day. Hey there, welcome to this. Um, this is going to be a little hard to explain. We are again in the dream cafe or dream bar. I noticed I said dream bar consistently in my earlier episode where we visited the cafe slash bar that so far exists only in my imagination and I only realized that later this was because in the series not an exposure the center of the town is a bar but I also see it as a cafe it's also a restaurant it's the place where people go to eat and of course interact in many different ways and so I wanted to first welcome you to this part that is underground for obvious reasons the spa area of this dream cafe makes sense to have underground for numerous practical reasons you don't want a spa um, on a higher level for example for reasons of water damage that might happen and so on but uh, so i made a reference in that earlier episode to how it wasn't going to be just a cafe or bar, it was going to be a creative space. And a creative space without water would be missing something very important. Also the same might be said about fire, but fire can take many forms and even light could be seen as one form of fire. Uh, anyway, so the acoustics are a little uh, closed in here because everything is still in progress and in fact I thought that we were going to have the sound system already set up so that there could have been music already playing here like in that earlier episode but that turned out not to be possible and so there won't be music in this episode. Uh, so let me try to gather my thoughts because well I have had a lot on my mind and a lot to try to figure out but I still haven't really arrived at ways to talk about those things. The reality is that my recent weeks have included trying to figure out a health issue but the nature of that isn't really very clear yet so I have on the one hand felt a need to talk about it and wished I could but on the other hand um, I don't want to cause concern and I don't want to be thought of as someone 
linked with linked with any issue. I don't want to be the guy with this thing or that thing or you know. Unfortunately, I've realized that too easily people do that. But that's quite horrible and we shouldn't do it because no one is any problem they may face. The problems are just things that happen and the soul of the person is what deserves noticing and remembering and uh, I don't think of anyone in terms of oh that person has this issue or you know that way mm, but also I feel I have been to the edge of this world that's the best way I can put it and I put it that way in a couple of places so far one in a dream that I wrote down where in fact in the dream I was on the edge of the world there was a cabin on the edge of the world and that part of it must have come from the fact that Around uh, the turn of the year, I had a day when I noticed that I can't ignore this anymore. There is something wrong. And then I looked up some information about a visit to a doctor in November of last year. And uh, there we talked about several different things. And uh, so it was like a general visit back then, but because it had, had occurred to me to ask, um, she took my blood pressure and checked my pulse and uh, after the visit was over I didn't think more of it because in those circumstances it's quite normal to have elevated readings. But on this day, on the 8th of January to be exact, I went back to look at the information of that doctor's visit and when I looked at those numbers, I realized they were really high. And like I say, I know all the factors that can momentarily raise those numbers, but because I was feeling and had been feeling increasingly that something just isn't the way it, it should be. I went to this local healthcare center where they have a place where you can take your own blood pressure. I love water. I can't live without water. Well, that was a stupid thing to say because none of us can live water. We are mostly water. We are born in water as babies we float so it's one of the well it is the first experience we have actually floating but anyway so to continue the story i i got numbers that how how was i going to describe them something like this 
Both of those numbers had three digits and the first of those numbers used to um, indicate your blood pressure. That first three digit number, it didn't start with a zero and it didn't start with a one and it didn't start with a three. And uh, the second number was also three digits, like I said, and that didn't start with a two. So those were readings that were, of course, reason for starting to figure it out right away. So then that started, and it's not clear that that is the issue. And I mean, it probably wouldn't be the root issue anyway. And since then, I have had uh, um, readings that have been in the normal range again. And uh, so it's even entirely possible that what happened that day was a combination of a lot of different factors causing that momentary alarming set of numbers because really I haven't been doing anything that would have explained it why it could be that high in that moment and I wasn't um, this wasn't something in my mind as they say sometimes uh, it was a very physical feeling that led me to go to the healthcare center so I wasn't creating this with anxiety or anything like this. This was a real physical thing happening or lots of different things, but I'm not going to start talking about individual uh, details about this, um, at least not in the course of this spa visit. Uh, actually, I, I will do one thing, just a moment. this noise is uh, just a little more bubble bath. So this cafe will have this or the... I, I still don't have the perfect word for it um, because the, the whole space it, it contains so many different things and we are coming up with new ideas even now. Um, I and a um, few other people who understood this idea in my imagination and um, and started putting it into practice. That we we looked up a space for this and we knew that many many different things would need to be changed in order to convert it into that uh, place that is um, especially a cafe and restaurant, uh, but you know, in a certain way. It's not for fancy dining, not for people to sit at um, in suits when a, a waiter comes to serve them. Uh, I um, That wouldn't have been right for this place. There's nothing wrong with that kind of thing and it, it can be enjoyable, I guess, in some circumstances, but this needed to be really a free creative 
um, and relaxed space. That was the whole idea. The world is full of tension and anxiety and everything. Yet, I want to make something clear. This is not about hedonism, not for just people, um, people to kind of waste their time um, in pampering themselves. I actually, I don't have a good way to describe this because, again, nothing wrong with pampering, but what it is more like is um, healing and recovery, um, relaxation, and my recent experiences have made me understand even more clearly than I already did. I think I had had a good sense of this, a deep understanding of this point that I'm now trying to uh, explain here, because of various things that had happened in my life. I have been to the edge of the world many times already. This wasn't the first time uh, an experience like that happened, like the day I was describing when it was clear that there was something wrong. And there have been times when well, maybe I can go into that at some other point, but what I'm trying to explain is that we are in danger from stress and anxiety, and in a very concrete, physical way. I'm not talking about something that makes your life a little uncomfortable, I'm really trying to communicate the thought that anxiety and stress kill. They lead directly to these things that are dangerous. Like, for example, there's a statistic about high blood pressure. I forget the numbers exactly, but according to this study, that I read about from a reliable source. If the numbers you have are consistently or frequently above these certain levels, beyond these certain lines, the average expected um, um, I'm forgetting the exact phrase here, the expected uh, time that those people will live is on average 10 months. 10 months and that is of course an average. Being an average it means that some people will live longer, maybe much longer, some people will live for a shorter amount of time than that. It's just an average. But this is because high blood pressure is extremely dangerous, it's damaging and um, with many people they don't even know they have it because it cannot, it can be of such a nature, I meant to say, that you don't know. The symptoms may uh, be something you ascribe to something else or you may not even um, be experiencing any clear symptoms, but
but the, the fact is that high blood pressure puts you at far, far higher risk of, for example, stroke and these other extremely dangerous life events that can cause, you know, it only needs to happen once. They can cause irreversible damage in a moment and then it's too late to do anything about it. There's no way to turn back the clock on that. But, so, you know, in case it sounds like I'm, I'm explaining something very obvious, then I'm not sure I'm in fact communicating what I'm trying to communicate because uh, my impression is that usually people have this view that I'm trying to find the simplest words for this that if you are feeling anxious and stressed out then that's it and it's just something you have to deal with but what that means is that very likely your blood pressure and other factors in your body, your levels of stress hormones which are damaging, they cause physical damage if they continue for too long, those levels. Um, it's likely that your levels are high in these different areas that are damaging and put you at great risk. So stress is not just stress and anxiety is not just anxiety. They are something physically wrong in our bodies, in our physical existence. And uh, I think that this still isn't understood uh, almost at all, or certainly not clearly enough in the world in general. And um, it needs to be, because we have to do something about this. We can't have a world that makes us sick. It is sick in itself to have a world where so many people are so stressed out and when they die or get to a point where they experience some of these life um, events that are irreversible, that cause damage, if they don't kill the person, they cause irreversible damage, then people just say, oh, that was because he or she had a stroke, for example. But that didn't come out of nowhere. Things led to it. Most likely, for example, high blood pressure was part of the picture, extremely likely, and uh, other factors. But what led to the high blood pressure? Stress and anxiety, uh, all these um, feelings that are very physical. And this is another thing that I've tried to, I guess, explain in various ways, but maybe not in a very concentrated way before. Sorry, let me... A little more water. Um, physical. I was saying, this is something I first saw in a comic book, a wonderful comic book called Concrete by a writer-artist called Paul Chadwick. In one of the stories, one of the characters 
points out that emotions are physical, you know. That's what he says, emotions are physical. And that really made me uh, start to see things in a whole different way than I had before. It made it very concrete. Uh, I didn't realize I was going to use that word, but I mean, this is this word concrete. It has many meanings in that comic book. Um, and um, in this case, uh, I ended up just using it again. But uh, the character goes on to say that you have to locate the feelings in your body. Uh, a tightness in the jaw or in your neck, for example. They tell you um, they are directly linked. They could even be said to be identical with the emotions. Uh, or certainly there's no, there's no ghost experiencing these emotions. Uh, to use this old metaphor from philosophy, ghost in the machine, like we were this spirit that is kind of floating around our body and then there are these physical things that are separate. That's the machine part. I don't think that this is how we are. We are the physical experiences our, and our bodies and things that happen in our bodies and as part of them. Uh, the feelings are not separate from any of those things. They have physical existence. And for example, whatever happens in your brain and your nervous system and uh, in fact our understanding of these things has evolved so for example we no longer um, we who is we we in the medical community I'm not in the medical community but I, I just like saying we in the medical community have a word for this it's called and then say something stupid but anyway um, we now understand we, again, I feel so stupid saying this, but so human knowledge has advanced to the point that we understand now, collectively, we are starting to understand more that it isn't just a brain in our head, that our whole body is involved. And for example, now we know very well that what happens in your digestive tract, that whole system that processes food, that is absolutely key to how you feel. So any issues in that area will likely lead to all these negative experiences uh, of emotion, but also, I mean, there are all kinds of physical symptoms, of course, but so it's not just that we have an upset stomach, for example, it means that um, we are unhealthy as a whole. Um, our brain isn't just in our head, it's, you know, uh, some, some people even put it by saying that uh, our digestive system is part of the brain. And uh, once you start to understand things from that kind of holistic perspective, and when I, no, let me take that back. I don't, I'm not talking about some kind of alternative medicine here. I'm talking about very simple, but, you know, a very well-established science of medicine in this case. So when I say holistic, I just mean the whole picture. 
Uh, I didn't. That word has un unfortunate links, so I um, didn't want to be categorized as talking about that kind of thing. Um, but so, yeah, like I said, that comic book made me. Comic book, it's a series, I mean, about that particular story, which is a beautiful story. It's, it's really a, a substantial piece where still mainly it's two characters talking. And um, the guy I mentioned who said that emotions are physical, he then uh, works out a little with weights, which he had never done before. He had a traumatic experience that in real life and in this comic book world, this particular comic book world, um, traumatic experiences can't be survived without trauma remaining. And so he went through this experience that left him traumatized and uh, I respect that so much in this comic book. That character is never the same again. And before that, he had been this um, fairly light-hearted, adventurous uh, kind of guy who, um, you know, had a pretty light life in many ways. He, he was a good guy, but he thought, like, in the story where the trauma happens, that has such a beautiful ending where he is in bed and um, where the captions explain that the nightmares just kept coming and coming and where before he had seen that life was a long advent, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like this, the, that life is a kind of adventure and behind every door, you know, behind every wom woman he meets, ah, sorry, for some reason I stumbled over that word, behind every door or with every woman that he meets, it's an adventure waiting to happen. But now this, this experience made him realize that behind that door may lurk something horrible. It may not be an adventure at all. It may be, and uh, I don't want to try to paraphrase this too closely because I hope that some people who haven't yet read that, that series at all might experience it one day. Because it really, if I had to recommend one comic book, one set of stories or continuing series in that form of comics, then for any, I was going to say that for any mature reader, but then I realized that it, it really, it's, it's for all ages. You can't be too young to be reading concrete, but you also can't be too old because it is a very wonderful and deep, but also very funny, often comic book. It has such lightness and artistry and 
gentleness also, but when it needs to be rough, when characters go through things that are rough, then it hits very hard. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> um, there's one of the later miniseries called The Human Dilemma, and when I read it, and uh, I would recommend reading everything before that in order to have the full impact, but when I read it, I was really so much on the edge of my seat that I genuinely could not remember having had that experience with any comic book ever that I had read. And, uh, you know, it made, it made those comics that I may have thought were really impressive as a kid, when I hadn't yet seen much of the world and experienced much of life, really, I can't go back to enjoying, for example, Frank Miller's Daredevil. I had a look at them recently, and um, it's it's not really something I can get any anything out of anymore. Um, he was excellent with layouts, and he was revolutionary in that way. But the subject matter just uh, was something is something or was something in those old stories that he did that doesn't give me anything anymore. It's about people beating each other up and this kind of stupid gang war stuff. That's, you know, I'm saying objectively stupid because there is nothing mature about that. And I'm sorry, um, I end up saying that so strongly always, but so back to concrete. Um, so when I read The Human Dilemma, this miniseries, when those things are happening to those characters, I really felt for them, you know, and what did I feel? Well, I felt actual fear and worry that this was going to end up very badly for, uh, that, well, there are several storylines and I won't try to describe any of them, but that's the kind of impact that's possible only because it is such a full and mature world. And, you know, if I make it sound heavy, uh, it goes the full range from super light and one, I mean, beautifully light and um, whimsical and not in some kind of artificial, cutesy way that I often find off-putting when someone tries to do it, someone who doesn't really have the human um, uh, human understanding and depth that Paul Chadwick had all along and, uh, you know, just got more and more of as he went along uh, creating the... He, he owns, he created the comic and um, he owns it. It's a creator-owned comic. And anyway, so... Um, that, that experience really impressed me because um, I had not felt that with any comic book, maybe ever, really. Because when you're reading about like a superhero experiencing some peril, uh, you would have to be very young to believe that they are going to, um, you know, end up dead or even 
even traumatized uh, or you know everything gets healed very quickly in comics and if it doesn't then still eventually everyone is okay uh, people don't suffer uh, permanent consequences re irreversible consequences in those certain other types of comics but um, the earlier story that I referred to which is called Killer Smile it's very unusual and uh, um, it was uh, on purpose different than different from uh, many other concrete stories and in fact though I myself I can't get anything out of Frank Miller's work anymore and so I, I don't go back to it um, I uh, when I went back to look at it um, I mean I grew I grew sick of it already many many years ago but when I gave it a fair chance and I went back to look at many things he had done in the past uh, it's simply not possible for this me, this Simon, to go back into that world and believe in those stories or uh, like them in any way. But uh, so what I wanted to still acknowledge, because these are just my views, no one else has to agree with them and I'm not trying to convince anyone to agree with my views. But um, Killer Smile, this concrete story by Paul Chadwick, it was inspired by Frank Miller, as Mr. Chadwick explains in uh, an introduction, I think it was, if it wasn't an epilogue. Um, I have that collection, um, that um, trade paperback, as it's called, which, you know, collects those issues into one book. Um, but so he was inspired for that to try this kind of storytelling that he had seen uh, Mr. Miller do in some stories in the 90s and um, in fact I, I usually avoid talking about people and works who I just can't get anything out of anymore because I prefer to focus on what I do get something out of and uh, I, I try to share as much, much as I can in this life of things that I have found really uh, beautiful and uh, meaningful uh, that have made my life better. By the way, um, you know, I, I, I didn't even explain this at the... <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. I didn't explain this well at the start, or maybe not at all. Um, so the spar isn't fully functional yet either. So there, there is water and we can test the different pools uh, that exist and these different features. But right now the place is empty. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you can hear that. Um, because it's in fact night as I'm recording this. I, but I just wanted to stay in this place to soak up the atmosphere uh, because you know this this is something I've been um, I've been traveling towards my whole life this uh, imaginary spa with the imaginary water that you're hearing and um, uh, this creative space and I was so fortunate in my imagination to run into these people who had 
similar dreams and who have similar experiences of life and wanted to make a place like this happen. I never thought that it was possible, but then in my imagination it was and uh, I met those people and, uh, um, you know, in real life, I mean, let me stop myself right there. I avoid this phrase, real life, because everything that we experience is real, including dreams. Uh, dreams are experiences. The experiences are real. So the events don't happen outside of dreams, but the dreams are real experiences. So, for example, we can't, can't really say and be accurate, we can say in the real world, if we mean the waking world, and then as a contrast to that, I refer to the dream world as a separate world. But I mean, it is as real. Anything that you experience in dreams is very real. And it has, again, if we come back to this aspect, physical effects on us. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I was seeing where I had left my glass of water there, but, um... So, yeah, Killer Smile. So that is indeed an atypical concrete story. And, um, I felt a little uh, trouble when I was reading it, because I worried that this, um, um, kind of high action uh, element would continue beyond this story, but uh, of course, I mean, on the other hand, I have complete faith in Paul Chadwick, and it was wonderful to experience this uh, different type of concrete story. But when I say wonderful, I mean um, it was very high on suspense, and uh, what happens to the characters, those traumatic events. I value them so much in this storytelling world of Concrete by Paul Chadwick because like he says it in um, text materials about the, sorry, I said text materials about that story. In that world, a single gun can be much more horrifying and scary than an atomic bomb or um, the end of the world or... Um, again, I'm paraphrasing, but, he, but he's pointing out that in real life... Ah, jeez, sorry. I somehow couldn't avoid that phrase, which is such a misleading phrase. Uh, okay, in reality as we live it, compared to uh, characters in stories. In reality, a gun could be truly horrifying. I'm not afraid of guns, by the way. I have um, like a normal, I think, relationship uh, mentally and emotionally. <laughs> this sounded so strange, um, a relationship with guns. But what, what I mean is, is that I am not completely against guns. I um, can imagine scenarios where I would definitely prefer to have a gun rather than not have one. 
If I, for example, was forced to live in a city in a very dangerous area, and I know that guns create their own dangers, because that can be the reason even that somebody breaks into your house, because they may know that you have a gun, so then they want the gun, and it, it can create its own issues, but if I or a family I might have would be living in a dangerous area, or there would be some foreseeable possibilities, uh, scenarios that could happen, would I, in all cases, choose not to have a gun? Uh, the answer in my case is no, that is not the attitude I would take. There are scenarios where I would uh, see a gun as a necessary evil um, and something that requires extreme responsibility. But in this story, and uh, the reason I explain that in detail is because I think that people aren't always quite honest with themselves about how much they are against guns because they have not imagined scenarios where they in fact would choose to have one rather than be without one. And that is of course a wonderful luxury uh, for a person to live in such a way that, uh, such a life that they uh, don't find it easy to imagine situations where it might be necessary to defend yourself. Uh, but so, like I said, I think I have just a healthy, normal and realistic attitude to them. They are, uh, they are objects that might be needed in some situations. And uh, I certainly don't have any kind of fetish about them. And so I'm more repelled by them than attracted by them. But, uh, you know, Northern Exposure is one... Uh, or maybe the main thing that made me also... It uh, jarred me out of my complacency in thinking about guns. Because it had some... such, like, uh, shocking uh, in some way. Uh, I don't mean like uh, scary shocking, but it had moments with characters, with guns, that made me realize, I, I, I felt like I woke up on that subject. Because until then I had a very idealistic um, and out of touch sense about guns. But there were suddenly these characters that had guns which they had to have in those circumstances because they lived in the wilderness and uh, in fact uh, for food it was necessary to hunt and uh, things like this and others simply liked guns and um, if you know me uh, from a distance or from personal interaction uh, you know um, you may be surprised to hear me um, uh, say something like this, but in fact, I I love those characters uh, that made me see even this topic in a new light. Uh, that is something that I value about that series in general, that it presents characters of many different types and it doesn't just give you one political uh, statement, for example. It doesn't tick boxes from 
some kind of political agenda um, or a particular viewpoint. There are characters who, you know, are... The characters cover all of human life, uh, basically, except the very worst of it, because it also happens to take place in a uh, so-called benign universe. Benign universe uh, was the phrase that uh, some of the makers used of it. And what it means is that uh, the worst things of what humans are capable of are kept out of it. This corner of the world. All those things still exist out in the world. Um, and uh, I won't start listing things, but if you consider what are the worst things that human beings are capable of, uh, they don't generally um, have any presence in this uh, small town in that series. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Um, but they are not, uh, they haven't been erased out of existence. Um, and uh, another aspect of the benign universe is that things tend to work out more that more often than they might in in our world that we live uh, you know uh, this story that we live in uh, we could say but so things that usually might not work out um, so so well or so often in the benign universe they can and attend to and for example, characters are there for each other, but again, not in some kind of wishy-washy way that, hey, we're always there for each other. Sometimes they have fights, and when they are there for each other, it can take so many forms. Uh, not just this uh, one typical kind of thing that you might see in some... Well, I'm, I'm thinking of some examples, but I don't want to use them because that would be kind of giving free publicity to things that I don't like, really. Um, or that I can't feel anything uh, regarding, anything uh, positive. But, so, if someone is in pain, for example, um, there probably are several characters who... Uh, notice it, who take it into account, and um, often things work out more or less. Not everything, and uh, uh, there are some exceptions, you know, of course, because it's also got a great balance of things. So, I mean, that that is what really gives it meaning in a way that, you know, it would be a lesser series if um, it didn't have the full range, but the tendency is for things to be a little bit better than in the world that we experience, uh, most of us, from day to day and night to night. Earlier I, I almost said this, but then I pulled back from saying it, but... One of the times when I went to the edge of the world, and this could have been 
yesterday or it could have been 10 years ago or 15 years ago or three weeks ago. It doesn't matter when it happened because it was just a moment in time and uh, I don't want to give it a fixed time frame but I'm going to say it, I'm going to talk about it. One of those times I I was able to just drag myself um, on the floor to the door of my apartment uh, when this happened. And the reason I did that was that there wasn't great air circulation in that apartment and I was in such a physical um, moment of something being wrong that I needed uh, fresh air. Um, I, I am very aware of how it can help when you are feeling, you know, really horrible physically. And so there I lay on my floor uh, by the uh, front door of my apartment and uh, needed to call the emergency number because really when that kind of situation happens uh, you are not the best judge of whether it's serious or not so the responsible thing to do is to call them and let the professionals decide about it well, I made it through that day and um, that was just uh, one thing that I experienced. But I, for some reason, I felt it's, it was better to be talking about this and uh, put this thought out there because I will need to address some topics related to this in the future because I don't think I'm giving enough information for other people to form a fully informed opinion of my life and things that I'm trying to do and the obstacles that need to be overcome for those things to happen. If this sounds complicated I just mean that I am I am not, I have not been communicating enough about what my situation is and has been. I have chosen to not address those topics because I needed to think very carefully and for a very long time about whether it's better not to talk about those things. Because people, unfortunately, do use... Um, when I say people, uh, I want to be, I'll back up a little, I'll clarify. What I mean is, is that many people and uh, more people than you may, may expect to do this, they will judge you and not in a compassionate way, not um, taking the view that they might uh, apply to another person um, they may think um, they may not say this but their attitude can be that well uh, he deserved it or he did he must have done something to 
you know, have this issue in his life. And of course, this is a heartless and cruel way to listen to anyone explain things that simply have been part of part of the person's life. And I wouldn't think of judging someone like that. So it is very difficult for me. Uh, I have not uh, been prepared for that kind of judging really um, until I realized that that is simply the way of the world in many cases. So I, um, I was shocked when I in some past situations uh, intended to simply share some of the things that I have had to overcome from my past and uh, you know real things these are not just something you know little inconveniences uh, these are real challenges and uh, there, there you know have been events where if the things had went just slightly a little, slightly a different way I wouldn't be here anymore and I just mean very concretely that I would not be alive anymore so um, many things have to go uh, right for me to even be here anymore but because I'm not um, I'm not very young but I'm not also very old I'm in a stage of life where I think um, it is most difficult for me to communicate how um, in need of uh, support, for example, um, I am. Because if I were younger, uh, then, well, there seems to be this tendency for people to be more um, likely to help and support young people, uh, I guess, because of feelings that uh, this can lead to a great future. But then once a person is past the youngest blush, uh, you know, uh, the first blush of life, uh, then if they haven't achieved certain things by then, I think then many people assume that, well, it's never going to happen. It would have happened already. But of course, this is also nonsense because there is no time frame for these things. And uh, in my own case, for example, everything including even physical maturation have happened far slower than with other people and uh, well I won't go into this and this may sound strange if um, if it's not clear from these words it may have sounded like an odd thing to say but I mean uh, um, for me it's normal for things to take a long time to get to a certain point. And this has been true also physically. Like I said, I couldn't even grow a mustache uh, before I was in my, uh, uh, well, I want to speak about my age in specifics because that's another thing that I think people will uh, too often judge another person about. But I mean, I was, uh, let's say, uh, twice the age of a teenager. Uh, and only then could I even grow a mustache because physically I was developing uh, slower than most people. I have theories about that, 
but I'm not going to go into them and they might not be very interesting to hear about anyway. Maybe they would, maybe I will talk another time. But also, I mean, the reason I'm talking about this is that uh, me getting to the point where I could be creating the things that I'm now creating, the stories, the poems, the music and so on, um, I have only gotten here now when I am not yet very old and uh, I'm not yet, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not anymore very young. But in fact, I, I agree with Chris Stevens in Northern Exposure. I don't believe in a chronological age and it is not a helpful way to uh, see people, like what a number about them is. Um, <clears throat> so for me, it's normal to be at this stage of my uh, creative uh, path, a creative journey, and uh, sometimes people really ridicule those words, path and journey, but there's no reason to. Uh, they, they just describe the process, and we do move along, so of course it's a journey, because we experience different things, we go to different places, so yeah, path and journey are perfectly fine words, and uh, Still, I just mean, what I'm getting at is that um, usually people have found a way to make things work in their life before this age. And then, if it hasn't happened, I have found it a very much uphill road. And yes, I said a road again. An uphill road to... Um, to find your audience um, because I know that the things that I'm creating would have appeal for many people in this world but they are scattered all over the world and because I'm an independent uh, I have to be completely uh, free to create uh, and uh, not be um, have it, not have any rules imposed on what I'm doing and the worth of what I'm doing is uh, it depends on that freedom so I I am an independent uh, creator in that sense uh, of a ver you know in practical terms and in um, in terms of the work itself the content what you create but uh, of course, it's necessary to make a living one way or another. And um, I, have, I believe that most people, uh, we are talking of averages here again, find a way to make things work at an earlier stage of their life than where I am, if we look at it in these uh, chronological terms. Um, and um, so at this point, it is very hard for me to uh, try to achieve what might have been much less of an uphill struggle if I were younger um, and had been doing these things uh, from a younger age. But for example, I published my first short stories. Um, I had written them, you know, a long, long time ago. 
the, the earliest of those short stories is from 2001, but I published them only um, after a couple more decades had passed, and I have talked about this several times on this podcast, so this is not new um, ground exactly, but because I did so later in life than most writers get their start, I think that that has made things uh, much more difficult for me because um, it usually doesn't follow this kind of timetable. There are exceptions, but um, it's, it's, it doesn't, well, it doesn't make it any easier that there are exceptions. But for example, uh, W.P. Kinsella, who wrote the book Shoeless Joe, on which Field of Dreams was based, the film, he was uh, in his 40s when he uh, was starting to do his major work uh, as a writer. And so he had lived a long life already before that point. And um, so for him, that was the uh, journey that he needed before getting to that point. And so it's not that unusual to be doing something only later in life. And uh, as I was going through the season three book of the transcripts, um, I, I read again, of course, the uh, chapter of the episode where I was talking about Philip Glass and how he only started to make a living from his music uh, in his... The, the, there were two different things that I said there, and now I'm wondering if I remember uh, the right n number. I think he said that he started to make a living in his 50s. Uh, he was already over 50 years old before he started to make a living from his music. And um, I wonder if I remembered that right, because I should remember this. I just read it, and this is something I've thought about a lot. But there was another thing that he achieved in his 40s, and um, I just... Uh, well, I, I'm sorry for this memory lapse. I don't want to give wrong information, so... Um, my point is that it can follow any kind of timetable. But getting uh, chances to make it work so that you can finish uh, your works in life. You know, there are so many things that I have in progress that I don't want to leave unfinished. It just gets more difficult at certain uh, stages of life to uh, fit the pieces together. And um, I talk in the introduction to the season three book, which is now on Amazon. Uh, the, I'm so happy with the hardcover and uh, the paperback. The, the design worked for it um, uh, amazingly well. Like, I mean, um, um, the way it works as part of the physical book is wonderful. And um, I'm very impressed by Amazon's printing, but in the introduction I, um, I talk about this basic fact which is that unless I find some forms of 
more support than I have now, I will certainly and just inevitably create much less in my lifetime than I could with that support. Because I'm having to run in the hamster wheel so much of the time. That time is time away from creating. And so what it means is really, it's mathematical really. Um, certain works will never get started. Certain works will never get finished. Um, and uh, my aim is to leave as few things unfinished as I can in this life. So I'm working through the backlog still. But certain things um, won't even get started, like I said. And so the full amount of work that I can create in this lifetime is determined by this one factor. And uh, I know that there are people who see value in things that I'm doing, for real. And they aren't just saying it because they know me or want to give a compliment. I, I only really communicate with people who are very honest. So when they say something, when they let me know, uh, which is always extremely meaningful, when they let me know uh, a real reaction to something I've created, um, anyway, my point is that I know that there are people who value what I do, and uh, what I'm do what I'm doing here is uh, the start of something I have to pursue now, which is I'm um, I'm looking for support and help, and uh, in case there are things that haven't even occurred to me. Um, I'm trying to talk about this in public after long hesitating to talk about it um, because I, um, I wanted to make sure that I had taken all the steps to make this happen uh, or make it more likely to happen without needing to uh, seek uh, for more support in some way. But... Um, um, I have to do it now because uh, I have reached a crisis point where, well, there is the health issue that remains yet a little uncertain what it is about. So I won't go more into that, but this year may decide whether I will even have a future. I have to put it that way in the introduction because it's real. This is a crisis time for me, which means that either things go very badly somewhere in the near future, or they will find um, a balance that I don't currently have. And uh, so I'm trying to put the message out in um, tasteful and uh, non-intrusive ways that um, I am looking for uh, support of various kinds that I, like I said, I may not even know yet what all kinds there exist, what, I, what steps I can take, and um, what the possible solutions to this could be. Uh, the, the only thing is that the solution can't be something that 
would take up more time than um, than it would free up because that's the the main thing I need time I need time to recover physically you know I, I really I um, I stopped short uh, like from almost uh, sorry let me say this again I didn't quite finish the thought in the introduction to the season 3 book um, which I will talk about more another time uh, this is not the right moment to talk more about it um, because I have spent so much time now on other topics but I said in the introduction something like what I would really need in order to put things on a healthy basis would be a year off and um, I stopped short of saying that I would need like a way to live one year in full recovery like actively recovering because if I don't manage something like that it may be that I'm too close to the edge of this world and will tumble over so this is something I can no longer ignore I have to try to fix where I am and uh, how my life is that's just the reality of it now and you know I I make myself very vulnerable in this podcast I have shared episodes where I have been you know very out of sorts of, you know not really feeling um, good in any way sometimes I've been kind of euphoric about something and then later I think that I may have um, blabbered on about something in in, in too much uh, detail and at too great a length um, and right now I'm uh, I feel very vulnerable about this having to talk about it but that is something that I have decided long ago to make part of my work and as my part of my life's work that I want to be vulnerable as a person and as an artist so so we can grow collectively towards a world where people are allowed to be human and uh, creative and to be artists at the same time and with all the things that human beings have to deal with uh, I don't want to put on any facade I, I want to try to share things from my point of view but not because I am so self-obsessed self um, but rather because I can share this viewpoint um, better than any other um, okay that wasn't a good way of saying it what I mean is is that when I share my story and how things are for me I know that I'm not so unique that I only I in the whole world would have had those experiences so in fact um, I'm talking as a human being and whatever issues I have there are also others out there who have those issues but who have no voice no one to speak for them um, on these topics that often involve 
prejudices against us and um, you know the damaged ones of us many of us are damaged I am damaged certainly um, there's a reason I wrote that poem about the marionette's dream in my book of first book of poems land of youth and beauty um, I, I was broken at a young age and I try to speak for us broken ones and uh, it may even be true that every human being gets broken sooner or later um, it may just be a matter of time I I would love a world where none of us needed to be broken where that fate could be avoided for all of us but you know things can't be avoided when they happen they happen uh, there's no escaping from reality and um, so yeah I, I have now started to make myself vulnerable also in this way I'm trying to say that in order to make it through this year and keep keep you know going on and maybe uh, finding a much better uh, future or a future of any kind I mean that is the bottom line I need to try to have a future in the first place uh, that requires um, something to change because I am unfortunately I remain at the edge and uh, so th this is not how things can continue or I'll rephrase that things can't continue that way because it's simply not possible for me to survive a very long time in this situation because uh, we are fragile creatures and uh, that is um, something it's wiser to recognize than than to ignore and then one day discover when it's too late that yes we are fragile creatures and um, that's the name of another concrete miniseries fragile creatures and uh, so i think that may be a good place to stop because i um, i return to concrete and from this fragile creature, I'm now going to close up this place and head home and try to get some sleep. Tomorrow I have to get many things done. I need to send this uh, grant application, um, which, um, well, I won't say more of it, but it's a long road and there's still a long way to go and anyway yeah everyone else has left and uh, so from me once again thank you for joining me and keeping me some company I hope that in this I said something worth uh, hearing and uh, uh, I look forward to sharing the spa spa space and um, you know with music and everything when it's further along and um, uh, maybe we will also meet upstairs uh, at another time. But now I I'll say good night and thank you.